0: When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. claps, slap slaps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light near the tunnel.
1: El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The different knock podcast.
0: Maybe we'll have a good surprise
1: for you. Hello and welcome back to the Different Knock Preview podcast, the latest spin-off from your favourite Arsenal-based podcast. Uh, I'm delighted to say I have Windy here from the Extra Inch podcast to talk all things North London Derby. How are you today, mate?
0: Uh today I'm okay. Um ahead of a North London derby, however, I will not be okay. I will be a, a gibbering wreck. Uh I, I tend to the run-up to a North London derby is never a good time for me. I, I just don't want to talk about football. Um to, to be fair, you've caught me at a good time. If it was tomorrow or the day after, I would I would not be able to enunciate, I would not be able to articulate.
1: Uh today I feel okay. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm the same as you. I I think you're probably handling it slightly better than me. I'm already a nervous wreck. Um, yeah, I think because for uh, for us, and we'll come onto this a bit later. But obviously, the 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 deal could be settled, and I think so. That makes it even more nervy. That extra pressure, almost. But we'll, we'll come onto that. We'll come onto that. Uh, but you know, for a, for a bit of a change on an Arsenal podcast, we'll talk all things Spurs first with a bit of a <laughs> club scout report. And um, I I think my first question. Because obviously, as an Arsenal fan, and I say this pretty much at the beginning of every episode, I only watch the opposition twice. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I do like football. I occasionally tune into bigger games when they're on like Super Sunday. But um, as an Arsenal fan, I watch 38 games. As a an, an opposition person, I, I literally see you two games a season and half the time there's a manager change or a dip in form. So it's kind of good to notice the differences and, and talk to somebody who, who does what I do, but with their own club. But my first question for you is, I think is there's been a massive change with Spurs uh, and that's the manager, you know, the way that I, I described that first North London Derby at the beginning of the season was lifeless. You know, it was, it was almost lifeless under Nuno uh, in terms of, you know, barely any proactiveness with the ball, the defending as well. Wasn't this proactive stuff that you've seen from Spurs recently, you know, uh, with Romero stepping out, and and making those challenges, it was more like sit in the blocks and, and and hope for the best. So I'm guessing the question is what what are the main differences that you can spot between the two different brands because they're they're both defensively minded, but obviously very very different.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they couldn't really be more different. I, I think you're right to say that they are are based on having a defense uh, defense first approach, but um, the way they carry out their instructions is just absolutely, completely different. Um, and I think it's also fair to say that under Conte, it's not like we don't have the ball. And in there are some games where we have the majority of the ball, and and that's not unusual. It's just that he's also very willing, as we saw against Liverpool, to, to not have the ball and to play on the counter and to enact a plan to allow us to do that effectively. It felt with Nuno like... Um, and I don't want to be cruel. It's, it would be really easy to be cruel about the, the period we had on the Nuno Espiritu Santo because it was miserable. And it was, I mean, he was just such a terrible fit. And it was so obvious from the start. It was a really awful appointment. And he seems like a perfectly nice bloke. Uh, but there didn't seem to be much of a plan. I mean, honestly, it was sort of, you know, you defend deep... Um, well, not even... The thing is, is, it wasn't even defending that deep. It was sort of defending in a mid-block. It was just... There was nothing. There was no, It was defending in a mid-block. And then when we had the ball, it was chaos. It was sort of... Um, you look for balls over the top a lot of the time. And there's no sort of building from the back. There's no... Um, I don't know. There's, there's no plan at all. And as a result of that, Harry Kane was having sort of fewer than 10 touches in a match sometimes. And... You can't win matches playing that way it's it's really ineffective uh and 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 we we did win some matches playing that way, but more by luck than judgment to be honest, and it was clear that it was just not sustainable, it wasn't gonna work, and when it went wrong, it went really, really, really wrong. Conte comes in, and you know within a couple of weeks you see. You see an emerging style, you see the players doing different things, you see sort of, sort of lots of vertical passing, you see um, patience and build-up from the back. Uh, immediately he's playing with the back three, uh, which you know really does suit a number of our players. Uh, he, he quickly worked out his favourites, so Ben Davis as left centre-back became a, an early favourite Eric Dyer at centre of the defence, who to be fair had started the season really well under Nuno as well, Um, but he's also obviously a a preferred um, defender for Conte, Um, and it kind of just started clicking, and it, it didn't take long at all. So the way we play under Conte is we we build out from the back really effectively. Our full backs tend to, our wing backs, I should say, tend to be relatively high. Um, and we play through the middle of the pitch. We play into our midfield. We then play into our front men uh, and immediately lay it back off to midfielders who are then on rushing and facing play. So there's lots of sort of up, back and through play, um, which I think we're starting to master really effectively now. Also, um And this took a while to sort of come out in the wash, but Son now is making the sorts of runs that he was making under Mourinho, so on the shoulder, um, often. And so, you know, Kane or Kulosevsky get the ball and they take a couple of touches. Son's on his bike. He's making a run in behind the defence, stretching the defence, And then, you know, the full back on the opposite side is doing the same um, and it creates space for others to work in. And we've also got the ability to change things slightly. So against Liverpool, what we did was we built out from the back, but really deep. So basically on our own goal line. Um, which invited Liverpool onto us, which created space in behind their their lines um, of of their press, basically. And then we were sort of chipping balls into Kane and so on and Kulosevsky and, and working from there. And to be honest, I think that is possibly how we might play against Arsenal as well. I think we'd be expecting Arsenal to um, to press to some degree. I mean Arsenal aren't incredible pressers, but they're they're good pressers. Um and I think Arsenal will want to have the ball, they'll probably have the majority of possession. And we will want to sort of draw Arsenal out and then play in behind. I think that's sort of the approach that Conte will take.
1: Well, that's mate. That's fascinating because you've you've already perfectly answered one of my other questions, which was as somebody who who rarely watches Spurs, I, I I basically have this idea of you in my head that you're just a transition team, just but is in like a perfectly situated transition team. So it's really interesting to hear you break down kind of the way that you normally build. It's. It's definitely a different picture from what I mm. I would think, and obviously you know this is the first time I'll I'll we'll play them and I'll really get into watching since since Conte's taken over. And it, to kind of move on to another question, what should Arsenal fans be worried about? Because that always seems to be the main thing when I think about an opposition team. Like all of my stress at the moment is thinking, would I prefer Tomiyasu at left back? to deal with Kulishevsky or would I prefer him at right back to deal with Son? Which is the player if you could pick one to pacify? So, you know, you're constantly thinking about the threat and I guess from a, from a more knowledgeable point of view, because you, you obviously would know more about your team. What should we be looking for and worrying about when it comes to this team?
0: Uh, I think you should definitely be worried about Son. Um, but This sounds really arrogant and it's not meant to sound that way. I'm not sort of a big-headed Spurs fan. I'm quite a sort of level-headed, rational Spurs fan. I don't think you can stop Son. I I just don't think he is someone you can stop. So I think what you have to do is stop the ball getting to him. So you don't worry about, you know, Son's going to make runs. He is one of the best players in the world at timing his runs. He's one of the best finishers in the world. You know, he overperforms his XG consistently year on year on year at an incredible rate. He is an absolutely elite finisher. He's incredible. Sonny's one of the most underrated players in the world in my view. I think he's sensational. So I don't think you can stop the runs. I don't think you're going to catch him with too many offsides. So you just stop the passes coming to him. And to do that, you you stop Kane getting on the ball uh, which, you know, several teams have done that to good effect. We've seen Brighton and Brentford um, through th- through different means stop Kane getting on the ball really effectively in the last few games. And you stop Kulosevsky getting on the ball because Kulosevsky has got kind of elements, shades of Kane about him as well. Um, you know, really, really good at holding the ball up, uh, spitting defenders and they're looking for passes. I mean, he's, he's a little bit less of a kind of long ball specialist. He will want interplay. He'll want to kind of carry the ball. Uh, but they're a definite sort of, even the way they move, Kane and Kulishevsky are kind of similar. Um, so, you know, stop Kane getting on the ball and turning, stop Kulishevsky getting on the ball and driving. And, you know, that will be, uh, that's the best way of stopping Spurs, I think. That's not to say we haven't got other means of attacking. I think we have got some other threats as well. But, um, you know, Son in this form, he is red hot at the moment. And, yeah, I think you just need to focus on stopping the ball, getting
1: to him. Well, who was that? What was that finish? Who was that finish against? Left foot. Edge, like, absolute curler. Yeah. Yeah. um, Outrageous. He's an outrageous player. I hate him. Bec- like but I li- like, he's one of those players isn't it that you just love to have on your team I think he's one of I, I really agree with you as well I think he's supremely underrated when it comes mm. to to world football he's never in conversations that he really kind of should be in mm-hmm. uh, and then so, and on, you know onto your new boy Kulisevsky uh, a guy that Arsenal had been looking at you know it oh, seems at the moment that. that we're sh- that, yeah it seems it's weird that, that Arsenal and Tottenham are shopping in the same kind of Tesco Express kind of it, it's so weird uh, Kulisevsky had been massively linked to Arsenal at the start of January. He'd been linked to us in the okay. summer as well, I think. And he's a player that we've been tracking since he was at Parma. The mm. same with Bentoncourt. He's a player that we'd been looking at since he was in Argentina. There was a little talk coming out from an Edu interview that we'd looked at Hoiberg before you guys signed him. It, it's, it, uh, you know, the, and, and the whole we're, Emerson we're... and Tomiyasu thing, you know, it seems that we're... Yeah,
0: and now we're both looking at Tielemans yeah, as well. Yeah, it's so,
1: it's so strange what's, what seems to happen with these things. But um, your new boy, Kulisevsky, what an impact. How important has that impact been for your season to carry you to this point now?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely spot on. He's, the impact has been massive. Absolutely massive, and I think the thing is, um, and this sounds really cruel, but the the biggest thing is he's coming for Lucas. And I, you know, I'm not Lucas's biggest fan. I, I think he is. I think he's um, a really overrated player. He's Brazilian uh, he's Dan fast. James.
1: Brazilian Dan James, yeah, he, with respect. But,
0: but but Dan James, like, <laughs> I feel like Dan James is some more sort of. <laughs> He's got more awareness. He's got more spatial awareness. He's got, you know, he, he actually, he, there's more interplay there. Lucas is, he, he scored the greatest hat-trick in the history of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club that, you know, that that game against Ajax, one of the best nights of my life without a shadow. And I will never forget Lucas for that. It was incredible. So he'll ever forever be a cult hero, but he's not that great. He's just not a great player. And the difference, the upgrade especially in this system from Lucas to Kulishevsky is massive. So Kulishevsky in, in um, Conte's system, uh, Kulishevsky's role essentially is they, he, he calls um, the roles that Son and Kulishevsky plays. He calls them tens. So they're kind of the inside tens. They, they play just behind Kane. Although Son now is making a lot more kind of shoulder runs. So I'd say it's it's developed into a 9.5 or whatever. Um but Kulisenski's role is to come towards the ball. When, when the ball's on his side, he comes to receive defeat. And, you know, where Lucas was, he was doing his best. He was doing a sort of admirable job at doing that. He couldn't kind of control the ball, turn or, or let back for a teammate. Um, effectively, it was sometimes it would work, sometimes it would just bounced off him. Other times he'd get turned, and then you know once he's turned, Lucas just wants to run at defenders, and he doesn't he ignores everything else that's going around him. He just likes to beat players and run really fast towards the goal. That's what Lucas does. Kulosevsky is so intelligent for his age. It is, you know, it's so unusual to see a player of his age, twenty two, who's who's so. Um, who's got that kind of football IQ, who kind of understands what's going on on the pitch. Uh he's the link that he was creating the the sort of um teamwork he was showing with Matt Doherty before Doherty got injured was fantastic. It was bringing out the best in Doherty and Kolaracelski. Obviously Doherty's not there anymore, so we've got Emerson Royale, who uh is 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 not quite as good. Bless you. You can see
1: There's been some yeah. performances this season. <sighs>
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he is a full-back playing wing-back, and it's really obvious he's a full-back playing wing-back. Uh, he had a great game against Liverpool, by the way. He was our man of the match, from in my view, against Liverpool. Um, but even with him, you, know, you can see Kulisenski, the impact he has on the players around him is, is so impressive. And I, I really think he, maybe, maybe he won't be able to sustain this output. It's, you know he's scored and assisted so many already in such a short space of time he's just hit the ground running and maybe that won't continue maybe that's kind of a uh, you know he's new to the premier league opposition defenders haven't worked him out yet and maybe that will kind of die down a little bit but even if he doesn't maintain the output the quality on the ball the the work rate the fact that he makes so many pressures from you know the wrong side and manages to get a foot in so often it's so useful to the team, and he's really versatile. So he can play wing back, he can play a more of a central midfield role, he can play up front even, he can play either side, on the wing. He's he's a fantastic player, really good signing, um, and I'm I'm thrilled we got him
1: and Arsenal didn't. Mm. And the thing is as well, if you even if you half the output and extra- extrapolate it over the course of a season, I'm I'm pretty sure mm. that the output would still be of a you know of a very good standard. So absolutely, um, he is you know. He he was a player that I I I was against signing in January, not because of his qualities, but because we have Bukayo Saka starts every game for yeah. us. You know, it's yeah. It, 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 it for me would have been a pointless signing unless he played through the middle, which I, I wonder if he could do, and maybe that is mm. an evolution in a, in a few years time. Mm.
0: I think so. But, yeah,
1: um, what I, yeah. It, it just didn't make sense for 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 us at the time but onto center forwards and your center forward who i must say you know arsenal's biggest fan harry kane um 2 years left on his contract what do you do with kane from here do you extend do you try and extrapolate the maximum value because i'm very much of the opinion as a football fan that no player is worth 100 million pounds no like mm-hmm. as in you will never Unless you are run by an oil club, extrapolate value from that, even, and even then, you're looking at Jack Grealish, who started something like 20 games this season, mm. who's gone for a hundred million pounds. So if you ever get the the opportunity to make 80, 90, or that level, I'm I'm very much no matter what who the player is, you accept the money because you can you can replace things a lot easier than you think. But two years left on the deal, um, I've had this conversation with you know my best friends, a Spurs fan. And he, there, there's definitely an argument to be made about from from Kane's point of view of do you want to go and and win possibly slightly bigger honours elsewhere or become a cult hero and a, and a hometown hero and even if he only wins, say, an FA Cup or a, a couple of FA Cups and a Carabao Cup, do you cement, what What's what do you think, uh, you know, it's, it's the what do you think is more important, cementing hometown legacy or legacy as a footballer in general. But I wonder what your take is on what, what Spurs should do with Kane, because even uh, I've been thinking he's going to slow down for a long time with the injuries that he's had. But he does seem to be keeping going at quite a good pace. What do you do?
0: Um, so I, I was in the minority on our podcast. We are a podcast of three people and um, my, my two co-hosts both were kind of in the sell him for the highest value camp in the summer. And I was keep him at all costs um, uh, because, because I kind of agree with your point that you can replace players easier than you think you can but I think Harry Kane is an exception to that. I don't think we can come close to replacing Harry Kane. I just don't think we can replace Harry Kane. And and the thing is, it's not just Harry Kane, the player it's, it's Harry Kane with all he's done at Spurs and the history and the fact that he came through our Academy. You know, I watched him play for our Academy as a 15 year old. Uh, so from a personal perspective, there's a lot of sort of emotional tie in emotional investment there as well. Um, but I just don't think we could replace. I don't think we can replace the goals, and you can replace some of the goals. You can replace some of the assists.
1: You can't replace both. I
0: don't think he's, he's turned both. into such you, a hybrid can't. player. Exactly, and 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 maybe we try and replace him, and we end up with someone a bit worse. But you know, overall, we we reinvest the money, and it's fine. But I kind of think like we might waste that money. <laughs> We we might we might buy Emerson Real level players with that money.
1: Roberto Soldado with the Gareth Bale money. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We've not had a great deal of success in buying strikers over the last decade. You know, Um, (laughs) it hasn't gone well in that respect for us. So why would I have any confidence that we would buy a good striker now? He's just so brilliant. He is so incredible. And the way he's evolved is actually really helpful in terms of his injuries because he's not doing that kind of shoulder running now, so he doesn't necessarily need to have ankles, <laughs> um, which is helpful <laughs> because they're made of crisps. Yeah, I, um, mate,
1: I, he's, I say his ankles are made of cheese, mate. Literally, yeah. One slightly hard tackle, it's going through it like brie. It, it honestly, Abso- absolutely, absolutely. So,
0: I mean, I think City signed the wrong player. I think they should have they should have stumped up the cash for Kane instead of Grealish. I, I think. You know, I really like Grealish, but I think that was a mistake. But having said that, they've now got Haaland. So <laughs> I would wonder Money's where Kane goes. City, though, is it?
1: Yeah, and I would wa- wonder where Kane goes. You know, I th- and I think that with his injury issues, w- what club's going to want to spend hundred million pounds on him? Yeah, and that's probably yeah. what it's going to take. Are United yeah. thick enough to do it? Maybe. is he really going to want to go to United is that exactly. really you know,
0: is, that, is that a big upgrade you know United have got to go
1: through years of pain like we did we, you know, I, 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 mm. it, when we had Skodran Mustafi and Sayed Kalazanac on about 100k a week each you know you look at their wage bill and the amount of tearing up of contracts they're going to have to do are you going to you know he's in his prime is he going to want to go there and you know have Harry Maguire marshalling the, black, the back line for Christ's sake like I, I wouldn't see why you would want to there's very few clubs that you would almost consider an upgrade, especially if Antonio Conte stays.
0: This is exactly what I was coming on to. So we now have the best manager we've had in my lifetime. Uh, you know, I'm not far off 40. Not big he's, he's... <laughs> no, sh- He He wasn't my favourite. <laughs> he wasn't my favourite. That uh... <laughs> massive wanker. Yeah. God, I hated him. God, I absolutely hated him. Um, you know... Pochettino, incredible manager. Um, love him to bits. Would you know if Conte goes? I, I absolutely would have no problem with with Pochettino coming back. He's still one of the best managers in the world, in my opinion. But Conte is is uh, he's 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 basically Pochettino with trophies. He's he's an incredible manager. He he has also won lots, and I think if. If Spurs are going to capitalize on having Antonio Conte at the club for a short amount of time, then the only way they do that is by having Harry Kane at the club as well. And you know, it might be that we only win the FA Cup. It might be that we only win the Carabao Cup. But we're not going to win anything if we if we don't have Kane and Conte. I don't think. Uh, I you know. And I think, I think, I, I I'm not I'm not going to say we're going to win the league next year. Of course we 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 we. It's highly unlikely that Spurs win the league next year. But I think Conte's the kind of manager that can put you in a position to win the league if other clubs fuck up. So let's say something goes wrong with Liverpool, something goes wrong with City. I don't know, Salah gets injured, De Bruyne misses the whole season. I don't know. Things just go wrong. Conte's, what he's achieved this year, we're the third best club since Conte took over. And I think we're the third best club by by quite a distance when you look at the, the points achieved in the time that Conte's been the manager. And we will get better next year because we're going to sign a couple of wing backs in the summer and we might upgrade Ben Davis, who, by the way, has been really, really good. And we'll be stronger still. And that's the point. We, Conte has the potential to take us to a club that has the ability to win the league if, if, if the ultra-rich clubs fuck up. And I think that's as best as
1: we can hope for. Mate, that's absolutely fair enough. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think that they're going to, you know. I don't think, you know, with their level of finance. I think you're you know, right, sadly. It's, it's so difficult as an Arsenal fan. They can fan, buy their way out of most problems. Yeah, as an Arsenal fan on the outside, look again, you look at... Um, I think it's, it's probably a good thing that Chelsea have been sold now. So they'll drop away from being that club that can also buy their way out of problems. I think mm. in this country... I mean, Newcastle are going to be one of those clubs, but uh, I think City are probably the only club that can buy their way out of it. But, you know, I think Liverpool in their their recent seasons have had their fuck up when it came to injuries. And City are just ridiculous. You look at that front line. Oh no, Gabby Jesus can't play. Let's play Mares and Phil Foden then. It it makes me feel physically sick. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we'll move on to the game in context. So... The game in context for both teams. This is this is fucking massive. This, uh, I mean, I I felt sick about this game since the whistle blew against Leeds. Uh, I it's it's all consuming. Um, I this is the most important North London derby for God a decade. Like yeah, I remember. I can't remember what season it was. I remember being a young a young lad. I was still doing my GCSEs at the time. I didn't have Sky Sports and I was listening to Sky Sports news. And I think if Arsenal won on the final day of the season, we got top four over you. I can't remember what season it was. And we did it. And it's, it's the same again. You know, it's, it's, it's D-Day. It's kind of storming the beaches of Normandy, the height of drama. Also, I don't know how the, the mystics at Sky Sports managed to predict this (laughs) and get this game so well placed for the fucking drama of it all, but oh my God, it's going to be a spectacle. So much importance down on this game, obviously for Arsenal and our season, we have the opportunity to kind of just, that's it. We win. It's it's, it's done. It's over. We've qualified. I don't think you can catch Chelsea either if we win. And then, you know, from a Spurs perspective, I guess what would be uh, this? I think this is an interesting question. What would be the best result for you? Obviously winning, but for me, I genuinely think a draw suits both parties quite well because I think Chelsea are going to continue to drop points. So I think we might see a little bit of tetchiness when it comes to the the tactics because neither manager wants to lose because a draw might just be the thing that suits both parties in trying to achieve those kind of Champions League dreams.
0: So I kind of I do agree about Chelsea. I think they are more vulnerable than people have um, cottoned on to. Uh, and it sounds like Alonso's had some sort of bust up with Tuchel as well. And Alonso's kind of critical to their game plan. So really, wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all if Chelsea dropped more points. And whether it's enough to sort of drop out of the top four, I'm not sure. But I think that's a possibility, even with the sort of relatively straightforward running they've got. Um, but i do think the best result for us is is not just to win but to to break arsenal's spirits <laughs> i think that's that's i think that's what we have to try and do because i know arsenal have really been resurgent i know they've played pretty well uh in some of their games recently especially in the in the games against the tougher teams and i think arsenal have got some really really impressive young players and a, a, a decent Manager who's you know finding his feet, but but looking like he's he's moving forward now. But Arsenal are still Arsenal, and they have it in them to you know they lost three matches last month that they should have, against teams they should have beaten. In the same way that Spurs lost against Brent against um, Brighton and drew against Brentford, you know, I don't think we can forget that Arsenal are still quite brittle. You know, I I watched the Leeds game the weekend and. When that chance of a last minute fell to Rodrigo, I was a bit like, yeah, this is exactly why Arsenal can't be complacent because they came really close to drawing that match mm. against 10 men and they should have been 5-0 up at time So I think if Spurs win well, I think Arsenal will be incredibly nervous and I could see Arsenal dropping points. But the, the thing is with that, is I can also see Spurs dropping points because I know what we're like. I know we are we are an imperfect team in transition as well. And you know when a team has, a, Brighton and Brentford came with game plans and they stopped us playing and it worked really successfully. And and maybe maybe Burnley will do that to us and we'll drop points against Burnley. I don't know, um, but I'm just saying I I can see. I don't necessarily think Arsenal will win their last three games.
1: It's difficult, isn't it? Because you know, with the lead, Arsenal are the only team, like we're not the only team, but we are definitely a team that likes to make things difficult for ourselves just as Spurs can be a yeah. bit Spursy, You know, I yeah. think it, yeah. it's also going to really depend on what plays out in the relegation battle, you know, because we've both got, we've both got teams yeah. to play in that battle in Everton and, and Burnley respectively. And if Everton are safe by that point, It, it, it almost, we almost, depending on what the result is tomorrow, you're almost kind of hoping for one or the other to be safe by the time you play them so that the game becomes relatively easier. We've got Newcastle, which is a, not an easy game though. There might start to be a beard on the beach. We've seen that a bit from Southampton and a few other teams already. Nothing to play for.
0: It's Newcastle's last home game though. That's the only thing I'd say. and, And they lost heavily against City. So, they, you know, Newcastle will be up for it. And did, I don't know if you saw the um, Bruno Guimaraes tweet about how basically the fans didn't deserve to lose like that against, against City and, uh, and Newcastle will kind of want to strengthen. And I do feel as though Eddie Howe has drastically improved mm-hmm. Newcastle. And, and don't get me wrong, Arsenal could go to St. James's Park and win and that wouldn't surprise me either. But I think any result's possible there.
1: definitely. And um, I think the thing is, is this is the this is the, the time of the season where for the teams, we're still something to fight for. And especially seeing as we're both playing teams with with something to fight for any mm. like those resu- those games can become nervy, touchy very, very yeah. quickly. And, and, and anything can happen in regards to this game. A, a draw suits Arsenal, I think, quite well. Obviously, a win but going away to, I, I mean, obviously I'm an Arsenal fan. I want to win. I want to get the Champions League football sewn up. Then I don't have to care about the last two games of the season. I don't want to, yeah. you know, have any more coronary embolisms and, you know, be sat in my chair, shaking violently after, <laughs> you know, ridiculous things like them having a player sent off in 30 minutes and I still need a drawing <laughs> the bloody game. Um, but I think a draw mm, might, might uh, I would definitely take a draw because I, I back us to then beat one of the other two clubs. Uh, it's so, so tough. Um, so uh, we, we kind of cottoned onto this a little earlier. If you don't get Champions League football, say the dream ends on Thursday night, mm-hmm. does Conte stay even with PSG on the horizon with a possible Conte potch swap deal do you think he commits to what he has or do you think the allure of kind of Qatari money spills over Mm. and he gets tempted away
0: it's it's so difficult to know what's actually going on inside Conte's head because he's such an emotional person I've never. We're just, you know, Mourinho talked a lot of shit in front of the media, and it was, you know, all provocative nonsense designed around self-aggrandizement and and self-preservation. Conte is is a little different. He's just incredibly emotional. He's he's when he's happy, he's really happy, and when he's annoyed, he's really annoyed, and he's throwing down challenges to Daniel Levy, left, right, and centre. And uh, he doesn't always just straight bat things. He's kind of quite political with his answers. So I don't know. I find it really hard to judge. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it will be it'll be a kick in the nuts if we don't get Champions League football, and I think he'll be frustrated. Um, and obviously, financially, it's it's a massive I mean, financially, it's a massive hit for Spurs. You know, we've we've built a new stadium. We've had COVID and the impact financially that that's had on the club. Uh, although the the match day revenue now is is looking really good, and I think we can start to pay bigger wages, which is always been what's held us back. Uh, I do think not qualifying for the Champions League will have an effect on our summer spending and will perhaps mean that we need to sell more. Although, to be honest, I think we, we've got lots of players to sell as well, which can help with funds. Um, and this is a real non-answer, I know. I'm just sort of talking around the houses. I, I just don't know. I, just, I can't it's always call hard. It. It's if, hard, if, you know. If PSG come in with uh, loads of money, like bags of gold for Conte, then maybe he'll be drawn towards it but he's not someone that's been successful in the Champions League in the past he's already struggled to manage uh domestic tournaments and Champions League and that's what Paris Saint-Germain want they want a manager who can win them the league and Champions League double so it's not exactly a match made in heaven
1: hmm. that's that's you know that's really interesting that's also on the on the stadium front and the and the COVID front, that's a really good point that, you know, I th- and I think about it in terms of two very different projects trying to, to achieve two very different things right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've just signed our manager down to a new deal. Uh, progress for me this season was finishing anywhere sixth and above, you know, uh, and, yeah. uh, getting back into Europe, a, 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 a massive kind of increase in the quality of football being played. And looking like we're going in the right direction, which we are. And I guess maybe it seems slightly more vital for Spurs to to qualify for the Champions League this season than it does Arsenal. It seems like we're tying players down to contracts, and whilst it may have a knock on effect on our business when it when it comes to certain players, we can attract financially. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Uh, the club have done some amazing work with that wage bill. You know, we've gone from having one of the most bloated wage bills in the country to running below Everton's cost at wages. So um I guess it is maybe a bit more shit or get off the pot for, for Spurs to get in and get that extra so. money. I think Which so. is I guess what makes it an even more nervy affair and might make it a very cagey yeah. game in, in the home ground, knowing that it could all ride on this. And do you think that'll have an effect on the way that Conte sets out or or the mindset of Conte and the players, knowing that, you know, everything rides on this game and, and defeat ends the dream.
0: No, no, I don't. I think um, so. So the thing about Conte is he is, and this was said before he joined, he's really, really good when he's got time to prepare for a for a match because he likes to sort of come up with a plan for the opposition. And this is kind of what I was um, hinting at earlier when I was talking about the, the Liverpool game and how that might be relevant to the Arsenal game. He came... Came into the Liverpool game with a very specific plan, and we we nearly beat Liverpool. We you know we were deflected shot by Luis Diaz away from beating Liverpool at Anfield for the first time since we had Luka Modric playing. Um, and I think he'll use that same plan. I think he will. He will. He'll know what to expect from Arsenal. He won't be bothered about playing a particular way because we're at home. He'll play the way he thinks he needs us to play to win the game. The, the players will be prepared mentally to win the game. We strangely seem to play better against teams that want to play football, and you know we struggle against. I mean, I guess that's not strange. You get to a certain point, and teams that come to spoil are really difficult to break down. Arsenal aren't going to try and spoil. They're not. Then you know they try and. <laughs> they're a system team. They play their system. They play in their in their style and. and and I don't think they're going to budge from that. So it's going to be a, a really interesting case of which style comes out, out on top. Mm. Yeah, and I do think that Spurs' style is suited to playing a team like Arsenal that will open themselves up a little bit, will potentially overcommit and um, and be caught the counter. So it's just a case of when Arsenal have the ball, they absolutely must make good use of it and they must take their chances.
1: I can see what you mean. And I think the, the interesting thing from Arsenal will be, uh, you know, when we played Chelsea, the other team that kind of plays three at the back, um, we match them up. And I'd be really interested to see if, uh, yeah. if we match you guys up.
0: Without White, potentially. Means well, have...
1: White, I think White, White was rested against Leeds, okay. but apparently had trained. So I think what it was, was a question of keeping... You know, big Bobby Holdenio in for the Leeds game because it's a bit more of a manageable game, so we can mm. keep White fresh. For you know, I mean, I this see, is the most important game of the season. Winning this mm. kind of seals everything for us. So I think it's. I think that was more of a trying to be clever decision than than forced into. Oh. I'm no, I'm no less nervous after all of this. If anything, I'm more so. <laughs> but uh, we'll get on to the to the interesting part. Let's get on to some predictions. So, a predicted lineup and a predicted score. For me, I think Arsenal are going to match you up. I think that's the smartest thing that we can do because of the versatility of a few players. We have the ability to be uh, in a three and then in a four. So, I think if I don't know whether I want us to be in a three or in a four or to do that. Actually, I'm going to stick with the four right now because I, I think this could really work. And I think Ramsdale in goal and then Holding and Gabrielle at centre-back, Tommy Asu at left-back and White at right-back gives us the best defensive opportunity to nullify that wing threat from Kudosevsky and Son. And I think if we give... Gabriel the license to kind of deal with Kane and have Xhaka sit slightly deeper on the left-hand side and Elneny just basically park in that pocket that Kane loves to drop into. I think we could have some joy there. So Elneny, Xhaka, then Erdegaard up by Saka And then I think we'll go for Martinelli and Enketia to have some runners on the pitch and some pace so we can hit fast and on the break. Um, I wonder whether we will match you up though. Uh, I, I I don't know who we, uh, maybe we'd put, put Cedric in as well and have him play right wing back and Tommy Asu as that third center back mm-hmm. on the right-hand side. I don't know. Lord knows, uh, you know, uh, predicted score for me. I think it's going to be a, a draw. I think it's going to be like a one, one. I think that both teams can still qualify for the champions league if they get that result. And I think it's going to get to 60 minutes and still be a draw and you'll see that from both teams. You'll see them back off because risking it at that point becomes either you win everything or you lose it all. And with so much on the line for both teams, I think that this this has got, for me, draw written all over it. Uh, I wonder what you think.
0: Yeah, so I think our lineup is is slightly easier to predict, um, mainly because of injuries. We're kind of a little bit more restricted. So we will have Larissa in goal. We will have a back three of... Romero, who I've not even spoken about. I mean, this bloke. I think Romero. The only thing
1: that goes against him is he's missed time from injury. I think that's the only. Th- I think he's been one of the the leagues, and I think that listen, I've I've given my banter to Romero about you know people compare Ben White and Romero. They're completely different defenders. For one, it's it's like comparing, you know. Harry Kane as a centre-forward versus, you know, Veghorst as a centre-forward. Yep. They don't play the same role. They're Absolutely. not asked to do the same things. Absolutely. It's no, there's no point comparing, but Romero's definitely been, especially in the time he's been fit, one of the better defenders in the league. And I think the only thing that goes against him is the fact that he's had some injuries, which is a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me yeah. and us, for you guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so I've, I I feel like I've been really lucky in my lifetime as, as a Spurs fan to have seen some fantastic defenders. So, you know, as as much as we hate him now, Saul Campbell was incredible. I saw Saul Campbell Mm. come through as a young player. And then Ledley King, who then, you know, Ledley King was my favourite ever player for, until Harry Kane came along. I absolutely adored Ledley King, what he stood for, for the club and, you know, the performances he put in in big games. He was, um, and the quality he had in the ball, he was unbelievable. And then we had Vertonghen and Alderweireld in their peak years, who, as a partnership, was one of the best defensive partnerships the, the, Premier League's ever seen, they were just magnificent, and I genuinely think Romero's the best of a lot and I know it's really early to say that he's only been playing with us for a season and he was injured as part of that he is unbelievable it's, I'm I'm like I'm shocked every time I watch him at how good he is because he's not just a defender he's also a playmaker he sometimes plays in midfield basically, he makes marauding runs up front, he just pops up all over the pitch, he's a leader uh, he sets the tempo he's so good in possession ridiculously calm in possession a little bit too calm occasionally but he's inc- such an incredible footballer and I love him so much um, that's that's enough about Romero. So Romero will play right-sided <laughs> centre back. Eric Dyer will play central, central centre back, and he's had a really good season. Ben Davis will play left centre back. He's he's had a really steady season too. Big improvement. Then sort of the weak areas. So Emerson Rial will play right wing back. As I said earlier, he is really a, he's a defensive fullback being asked to play as an attacking wing back. It's tough. It's really tough for him. He will he will leave at the end of the season, I'm sure. He'll go on to be a really good defensive fullback at a club that plays a slightly more counter-attacking 4-4-2 or whatever. Um, he's not the right fit for, for 3-4-3. Conte, Conte ball, he's, he's just not. But, you know, has has had some good games. And then on the left, Sessegnon, who I think has so much potential, but he's not hit that yet at Spurs. Although he had a really strong game against Liverpool... What Sessegnon tends to do is uh, he, he's a real confidence player. So, you know, he comes out of the team, uh, fights his way back in, plays a really rough first game, looks a bit better in the second game, looks pretty good in the third game, then looks really good and then gets injured. <laughs> and this is the cycle that happens every time with Sessegnon. These injuries are just so predictably annoying. Um But he's got bags of potential and he got a really good assist against Liverpool because his movement is fantastic in the final third. So, yeah, so left wing back um, and right wing back are definitely sort of weak spots in the squad at the moment. In midfield, we will play Bentancourt, who has been pretty solid uh, for the majority of the time since he arrived. And Huibier, who is a bit of a Marmite player amongst Spurs fans. Uh, Personally, I think he is... A complete steady Eddie. He's like not exceptional anything, but he's very good at everything. Uh, he's like a 7 out of 10 at most things. Very stable player, um, sort of motivator in the team as well. And then we'll have Son, Kane and Kulisevsky as our front three. Uh, our first sub will be Lucas Moura in about 75 minutes and our second sub will be Harry Winks in about 80 minutes because that's what Conte does every game. I mean, he'd like to sub the wingbacks, uh, but we don't have... There's no one to, sub, no on one to sub them on four. Yeah. and Dorti are both, both out injured. Both injured. Yeah.
1: Mm. So it'll be a third it'll be a third summer with a right wing back incoming then.
0: Absolutely. I mean maybe two. It's possible that we'll have to it just depends on, on Doty whether he kind of thinks that there's sort of the improvement just before his injury is enough to justify keeping him. I think mm. if we can get like an elite right wing back and a good young right wing back, we should hit that button and do that and just have Doty as a as a sort of third choice right
1: and left wing back. Oh he, yeah, he's he's covered both sides at points, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that'd be an interesting squad option. Well, mate, thank you so much. Uh, I have learned a lot about about Tottenham because I genuinely just thought it was kind of counter attack and prey pray, but um, it's really really interesting to hear that all broken down. So, thank you so much for popping on and chatting to me tonight. It's
0: you're welcome. It's been you're really
1: welcome. really great. Um, and if uh, people please feel free to take a moment um, plug. I don't know if you you what you yourself use use have a personal Twitter that you want to plug, but feel free to plug that. And obviously, it's um, the extra inch podcast that have amazingly come on to talk to us today, and we're very very grateful. Thank you so much, mate.
0: You're very welcome. I, I don't know if it's kind of worth plugging a Spurs podcast on an Arsenal podcast, but on the off chance, that on the off like chance, to, yeah, on the off chance that people will listen post match, I suppose you know, if you win, people will want to listen to us cry. I'm sure. Um, (laughs) uh, so yeah, the extra inch podcast, uh, we are a weekly podcast. Um, we Mm. also have a Patreon, which we, we produce sort of detailed tactical content behind the paywall. Um, and I also, I also behind the paywall, I do a sort of, uh, more kind of coaching, um, podcast with with a a friend who's a coach and analyst in professional football called chris Summersell. uh that's called straight off the training ground and i mean that is of of interest to to anyone who's a football fan or a fan of sort of coaching um uh, and not just a spurs fan but we're both spurs fans so we do talk about spurs a lot as well but yeah uh that that's us if you if you fancy giving the pod a listen post
1: north london derby gotta do it gotta do it especially depending on result uh yeah thank you so much mate and thank you to all of you for listening and making it this far keep it diff and we will see you later peace thank you so much for listening to the different knock podcast please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using if you'd like to support the show you can find
0: us on patreon and buymeacoffee.com find us on twitter at diff and visit our website the Different Thanks, Sports Social Podcast Network.